the man who rocks the scripture as well as he rocks that blue blazer, Pastor Mike Fantry. I don't even know what to do with that. It's not easy to leave me speechless. There's something uh, I wanted to show you this morning. Something, uh, a flashback. I heard my wife laugh. Are you laughing at me or with me? I'm not laughing at Anna. Thanks. And just to get even, that's my sister. So if everybody would like to introduce yourself to my sister later. Anyway, there's something I I wanted to share with you this morning, something from my childhood, which sadly is a a lot longer ago than it used to be. Make sure there's sound. I made 50000 in the stock market today. I had twins. I went to the poor farm. I'm on Millionaire Acres. That's life. The game of life. The game of life. You will learn about life when you play the game of life. First you start out with 2000 and a car. I got a car. You got a car. Then you may go straight to college just to get a lot of knowledge. Or to business if you think you'll go as far. I'll be a star. You may go far. The game of life. The game of life. Pay me. I'll get revenge. You'll get revenge. I've got revenge. You've got revenge. Milton Bradley makes the best games in the world. So play the game of life. That's life. Okay, a couple things about that. First of all, yes, we did dress like that, um, and for which we curse our parents most most heartily. And second, um, that blonde-haired kid at the end, I'm sorry, Code, I saw that. I immediately thought of you. Um, and I thought, you know, Cody could do those commercials. So that's, that's why I told you I respected you earlier, just, just so you know, because I love you, man. Um, for those of you that have not played the game of life, it's changed a little bit, actually. Back, back, back in the old days, when I used to play it, when we were dressed like that with funny glasses and ugly clothes, and did you see the colors on those kids? Hey. Oop, I know. What were our parents thinking? Anyway, um, you know, there were, there were you know, consequences to what you did, and you made choices and everything else. The new, the modern game of life, I mean, it's completely different. I mean, you, you, you pursue, I, it's just, it, it's, it's weird. It's like there's no consequences to it anymore, but... The original game, you start out, you, you spin that little thing, and you get to these, you get to these whys in the game, right? And you, you have to decide. You have to choose. Do you want to go to college? Do you, want to, do you want to try to become a movie star? And there's benefits and there's detriments to everything that you decide to do. And so, you know, if you go to college, you have a chance to make more money. But if you absolutely, if you don't want to, you can go down this other route, and you might actually become a movie star and blah, blah, blah. And then things just sort of happen to you. And by the way, I can't get that song out of my head now. So I'm going to just going to be doing this every once in a while. And it really, I don't know if you guys noticed in the commercial, it really bothered me that the singers repeated what the, what the kids say. You know, I'll get revenge. You'll get revenge. I got revenge. You got revenge. Anyway. Sorry, that's just going to, I should have thought of that before I played that because I'm going to be singing that the rest of the day. Anyway. So you move along the way and you, you make other decisions and things happen to you. Like the, the little girl said, I had twins. Could you imagine? I, that just, I, I can't imagine they put that on TV. I'm just, I, anybody who had a daughter 
you know, who's like eight years old, I got twins, ah! But you know, you, you had choices, you had decisions to make, you, you know, do you invest your money in here, do you do this, what do you do? And then at the end of the game, you had two choices. If you didn't have enough money to get into Millionaire Acres, you had to take all your money, put it on one of the numbers, and spin. And if you get it wrong, you went to the poor farm. So you were either, you were either incredibly successful or you were indigent. <laughs> there were no two things. That's the way we lived our lives in the 60s, my friends. I don't know. But honestly, our lives are progressive, aren't they? It builds, your life builds on everything that you've done previously. I, I know our lives aren't a game, but like the game, the decisions that you make today are, are, affects your outcome. And every decision that you make builds on every other decision that you make. And you find yourself somewhere down the road, somewhere in your own life, and you kind of go, how did I get here? You know, what did I do? What didn't I do? Where have I placed myself within the kingdom of God or within God's plans to either do or not do the will that he has for my life? And it's all about the decisions that you make. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be here, to, uh, to share your word, Lord God. And Father, I thank you for this, for this family, for this body, Lord. I really appreciate who they are and, and what you've called them to be, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we do all make choices. Do we go to college? If so, where do we go to college? What jobs are we going to apply for? You know, what, what, what do we want to do? You know, do, do we want to work at, at A&W the rest of our lives? Do we, you know, I, I don't know. What is, what is, how does that play out? Who you marry? You know, I, <laughs> the movie uh, You've Got Mail was on yesterday on TV, right? It's very, it's romantic comedy, and, and, and you know, I don't know. I, I'm pretty girly, and I'm okay with that. I, I like the occasional romantic comedy. I know that's not a huge shock to anybody who knows me. Um, you know, I like those kind of movies. But, you know, I really think it's kind of skewed our, our thoughts of relationships and what they're supposed to be, right? We, we're, we're looking for our quote-unquote soulmate. We're looking for that one person to spend the rest of our lives with. And do you know what? There's a lot of people you can spend your life with. It's a decision that you make. It's a choice that you make. And obviously, you want it to be a, a, a godly decision, and, and, and it all comes down to you know, what your expectations are of a spouse, what, you, what the other person's expectations are of you. But you, you have choices to make within those relationships that you have to, to you know, see whether they progress or whether they don't. What are you going to do with your finances? Do you invest your money? Do you spend all your money? Does God not care what you do with your money? Do you want to give all your money to me? Which I think, I think you should. Um, <laughs> But really, whose choices are these, right? Whose choices are these? And you know, as a parent, I'm really not looking forward to the day when I have to give up my son's decisions to him. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I can't imagine I'm going to be terribly successful at it because we only have the one child, right? So we should be able to control him the rest of his life. (laughs) I, I... I don't even I don't even know I don't even know how you do that. But what happens, you know, if 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 Colin comes up to me one day and says, Well, Dad, I'm not gonna go to college. Well, yeah, you are, because your last name is Fantry. That's what we do. Anyway. But we actually and you and I within the body of Christ, we speak into other people's lives, don't we? You know, sometimes uh, someone that we know, 
will, will say that they're being called to something or that they're supposed to do something, and we say some of the stupidest things to them. We insert ourselves in that relationship or in that decision where we don't belong. You know, it's, a, it's something that, that maybe God has called them to. It's, it's not against Scripture. It's not outside the, you know, the, the parameters that God has set up for our lives. But we say stupid things like, well, if, if you do that, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. If, or if, 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 you know, Pastor Mike, if, if the church decides to do something like that, I'm going to go find a different church because I can't live with that. But if that's what God is calling them to do, who are you to insert yourself in that decision in that way? Right? In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And then in Romans chapter 14, 7 through 9, it says, For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us died to, dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. To whom do you belong? Do you belong to you? Or do you belong to God? You know, we had a word for uh, this morning that, you know, who is God to you? Who is your God? If, if you're not a believer... If you haven't submitted your life to Christ, then yeah, your decisions are your own. But as a, as a believer, we, we sold ourselves to Christ, right? We accepted the gift of grace. You know, Jesus died on the cross. We accepted that gift. We became a child of God. And we gave up our lives for him. He gave up his life for us. We gave up our lives for him. So if you belong to God, then truly, whose choice is it? When you make decisions, whose choice is it? You know, you'll hear messages about, about priorities, right? You know, God first, and, and, then, and then your spouse, and then your kids, and then your job. I wish it were that simple. I, w- I, I, I don't know. I, when I was younger, everything was either black or white. There was no gray. And I don't know if it's because I work for a life insurance company and, and, and I, I, I read people's medical records all day and then I have to make a decision on what we're going to do with it. But everything is gray now. There's a lot of gray. I prefer, I prefer stark contrast. I don't, you know. But with our decisions, with our lives, it's God first in everything. It's not God then. It's God with. Right? When I make a decision about my marriage, it's God with that decision. When I make a a decision about my job, it's God with my job. When I make a decision about what to do with the situation at home with Colin, whatever, it's God with. Because I belong to him. It's his decision. It's his life. It's not my life anymore. It's his. I gave up control of my life when I gave it to him. And so it's not God then. It's God with. Choices that you make are where you end up. And maps are great if you know how to use one. Plans are good if you know how to use one. I had a situation um, growing up, and um, (laughs) we were going, my mother and I were going to my aunt's grace house in uh, Goshen, New York. And um, I was younger then. Of course, that's silly. Of course, I was younger then (laughs) because... I was younger a few minutes ago when we started this message. Anyway, and I know you feel a lot older now, too. But anyway, 
uh, it was my job to read the map. It was my job to read the map. And I was, I was between fifth and sixth grade. I had read maps before, right? Right? Black lines are roads. Blue lines are rivers. Little pine trees means it's a park. I've done that. I can do that. So my mother was driving her fire engine red 1975 hatchback Chevy Nova, and it was fire engine red. And, of course, it was the 70s, you know, so we used to actually ride in the hatchback because we didn't use seatbelts then because, you know, growing up was sort of a survival of the fittest thing. And um, I was telling, you know, and up here, Mom, you turn left because we're following the black lines. <laughs> and we're just not finding Goshen. It's a pretty big town. We should be able to find it. And then I had one of those uh-oh moments. Uh-oh. See, on this map, the blue lines were roads and the black lines were rivers. We were nowhere near Goshen. I don't know where we were. I know my mom wasn't happy, though, because <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was my fault. And we ended up in some place that was completely different. And the thing that cracks me up about GPS units, I love our GPS units. We have, we have a Garmin and a TomTom because we had to upgrade, upgrade, right? And so I have the TomTom now, and it's, got, it's British. It tells me to ride, you know, take the motorway. I don't even know what a motorway is, but I listen to it. Turn left and take the motorway. I don't know what that means, but let's go. And I love to hear the stories where you read about those people that drive into a pond because the GPS told them to. Go straight. Okay. Turn left. That's a field. I don't care. And they just go. So we get directions, but ultimately you're responsible for the decisions. You're responsible for your choices, the choices that you make, and where you end up. In Jeremiah 18, verse 1, it says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. What you decide will affect what the Lord will or won't do with you. In an ideal world, we've submitted to the potter's hands, right? Bible says that, that um, and this is the, the new Michael version, but that whatever you experience, the Lord will use for your benefit, right? So we're in the hands of the potter, and we experience bad things. Life stinks. Sometimes somebody else enforces their will upon you. Circumstances occur, but we're in the hands of the potter, and he's going to use that, that mar, that, that incident, and shape us into something, and shape us into what he wants us, provided that, we're willing to stay within the hands of the potter and that we're willing to stay on that wheel to allow him to work in us and work with us. So your decisions in these moments matter with, and will affect what the Lord will or won't do with you. Choosing how you live. The decisions that you make and how you live your life matter. You know, if you're willing to, to, to live your life according to Scripture, if you're willing to do and, and be the, the person of God that, that he wants you to be, will affect how much God will do with you. You know, each of us has a purpose. Each of us has a plan. And within that plan, God has to shape you to be and to do. And if we're willing to be, then he can use you. If you're not willing to be, then he's got to use somebody else. Because wherever we go and whatever we do, we represent God. How much Christ do you want in your life? 
How much do you want other people to see Christ in you? And who you live your life with? Because we understand that environment affects people, right? You know, we see it, how people are raised or the environment that they're raised in kind of affects your character and who you are. The people that you hang out with, the people that you call your closest friends, they have an effect on you. You know, we live in Wisconsin, right? Do you know what that means? We talk funny. Have you heard us talk? It never, used to, it never struck me what our accent sounded like until Tommy Thompson went to Washington. When Tommy Thompson went to Washington, D.C. and was the head of, uh, was it Health and Human Services? And, you know, they'd have a bunch of different politicians on there, and they'd be talking blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, Tommy Thompson would come on there, and he sounded like such a hick. And he talks just like me. And we say things like bag instead of bag. We say things like bubbler. We don't, ask for, we don't ask for a facial tissue. We ask for Kleenex. We say things like hundred instead of hundred. We go up north. Or no. We go by places. We don't go to places. Going to go by the store on the way home or no? And we love those diphthongs, don't we? Do you know what a diphthong is? That's when you, you, you add an extra syllable. I could make the word no sound forever. Oh, no. No. Oh. I can make boat into like a three-syllable word. Boat. You're going to go on the boat? Or no? And we sound that way because we live with each other. I don't know where our accent came from, but we all have it. It's like a disease. We spread it from person to person. And we love to talk through our noses, through the frontal lobe of our brains. And it's just, it's how we sound. It's what we do. But in a very realistic sense, who you hang out with affects what you do and how you do it. You pick up the behaviors of the people around you. You pick up the, the, the way they do things. You know, you get together, you hang out, and in essence, you kind of form your own pack, your own community, and you rub off on each other, and your actions become the same. When, when Jim and I were, were, were growing up, we used to take phone calls for the other person, that we didn't want to, you know, like maybe I didn't want to talk to them, so Jim would pretend to be me on the phone. Or someone would call Jim, and he didn't want to talk to him, so I would pretend to be Jim. We always pulled it off. Why? Because we hung out. We knew how to sound like each other. We knew exactly what the other person would say. And in retrospect, probably that wasn't always the best idea. <laughs> but we did it anyway. So it's important to decide rightly who your friends are. It's important to decide rightly what your environment is, where you place yourself. But the hard part is you have to make that right decision again and again and again and again and again. Because again, our lives are progressive. Our, our, is progressive. our walks with God are progressive. If you want to get over there, you have to make steady steps that way. And it's no different for what God has called you to be and to do. It's a steady step one after another. Sometimes you get a wake-up call that you're going the wrong way. Sometimes something occurs to you that, oh, wait. I had one of those experiences. Um, I'm 46, okay? Um, I'm going to be 47 this year. Not as, not as quickly as Jim's going to be 47, but I will be 47 this year. Um, 1999, I was driving in my car, and I was driving by Miller Park, 
And during the 90s, we, we got a player from the Cleveland Indians, Marquise Grissom. And I, I liked Marquise Grissom. He was, he was a good player. He was a hard worker. And uh, I really looked up to him, and, and, you know, I just thought it was cool. And I'm listening to sports radio, traveling down 94, going past Miller Park, and somebody says Marquise Grissom is getting old. He was 32 years old. He was about ready to hang it up. He was too old to play baseball. He's three weeks younger than me. And I remember thinking, I'm 32. I've got stuff that God has called me to do. And I'm 32. I've wasted some time. And we need to stay focused because, right, all we have is time. Right? You can't save time. We say we're saving time, but that's not true. 24 hours every day. That's all you got. You can't take some time from today and use it tomorrow. You can use it for different things, but you can't bank your time. And sometimes we get wrapped up into things that are, are taking our focus off of what God wants us to be or, or taking our focus of where God wants us to go. And all of a sudden you get this wake-up call like, ooh, I'm supposed to be over there now. But because of the choices that I made and the decisions that I made, I'm not there yet. I better get focused. So what do you need to do to, to succeed in your decisions? I mean, really, that's what it comes down to, right? We want to be success, successful in God's kingdom. We want to be the children or, or child of God that he's called us to be. At some point, you and I are going to be with the Lord, like it or not. Nobody gets out of here alive, right? And for those of you that are visiting today, I don't mean like here this morning. I mean here in the greater sense, right? Sorry, it just occurred to me, that kind of sounds kind of threatening. No, 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 no. You get to go home after this. So someday you and I are going to be face-to-face with the Lord. And we're going to have to give an account of what we've done with what he gave us, with our time, with our, with our gifts, with our abilities. And we're going to have to face him, and we're going to have to have a talk. So, how do you, so what do we do? So what do we do? In Joshua chapter 24, it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped before the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You have to decide. It has to be a conscious decision, and you have to move on it. Within certain streams of Christianity, within certain movements of Christianity, it somehow seems spiritual to just wait. Right? You're just kind of blown from thing to thing. Oh, God wants me to buy tomato soup today. Or I'm just waiting to hear from the Lord to, you know, whatever. And somehow we've spiritualized our lack of decision. But that's not the way it works. God gave us brains for a reason, right? And from, for, for, from one extreme to the other, you have the ability to think. Some of us in this room think better than others. I get that. But you have the ability to decide and to think. When you're faced with a decision, is there a godly choice? Out of the things you're deciding to do, is there a godly choice amongst them? 
ham sandwich, roast beef sandwich. Now that I say that, maybe there is a spiritual yeah. choice in that. Fried chicken and roast beef. Turn it. Chicken salad or roast beef. What are the repercussions of the choice that you are about to make? So not only do you have to make a godly choice, but you have to understand the choice that you're going to make. One of the things that I, it really irritates me when, when uh, a couple is, is married and, and one of them has an affair and somebody says, I, I, I don't know how I got here. I, I don't know how it just happened. It did not. It was a series of decisions that carried you from point A to point B. It absolutely was. You know, if you don't like where you are today, it's your choices that got you there. So you have to decide, is there a godly choice? What are the repercussions? And do you even have a choice in these circumstances? Sometimes you're placed in circumstances where you don't have a choice. It just happens. It's not so much, what do I do? It's, what do I do with this? Circumstances occur, right? You get rear-ended on the freeway. It's your only car. Your choices are limited with what you can do. But that's the advantage of serving an omnipotent God, right? He's the one that, 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 is, that is supernatural. And he's the one that can intervene in our circumstances. So decide. Choose. Make a choice. Move. But then you have to commit to see the decision through. In Proverbs 16, verse 3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. In Colossians 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. With all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You have to commit to see the decision through. Now, when we're talking about big godly decisions, if there's a godly choice, and you make that choice, right? If there's a call on your life, and you've decided to fulfill that call, you've got to commit to see that through. And it's going to be tough. And there are going to be times where you're going to second-guess yourself. But if you know that you know that you know that this is what God has called you to do, then this is one of those opportunities to stay on the wheel, to stay in the potter's hands and let him form you through the circumstances around you. Because this is where the growth is going to be. Growth doesn't happen in the easy time, right? Growth happens in the, toughs, in the tough parts, um, I was with a, a ministry a long time ago, and, and you had to make a year-and-a-half commitment. That was the rule. When you signed up, you made a year-and-a-half commitment. I was there for three weeks, and I was coming home. I absolutely was coming home. It was a, it was a, it was a good ministry. It was a godly organization, but it was tough. It was tough because you, you, you know, I wasn't making any money, and for those of you that know me, I like I like to, I, I do. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money that's, that's the problem. You know, I always go back to, to um, Jim's grandpa's saying, rich or poor, it's good to have money. Right? And you were staying in people's homes, and you were always on, right? You always had to be polite. I'm not polite in the morning. See? That was my wife, and in case you didn't recognize the giggle. 
Till I get my second cup of coffee, doesn't nobody want to talk to me. But you had to be polite. And, and you know, you stay in people's homes. You got to, you know, you do the dishes. And you have to live. I was living with, like, these three other people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was hard. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. But I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that's where God wanted me to be. And I had made a commitment. I had made a decision. There was nothing that was going on around me that was ungodly. There was nothing that was going on around me that that said, this isn't scripture. This isn't where God is. You're in sin. There was nothing of that whatsoever. Everything pointed to the fact that this, this was a godly organization. This is what God had called me to do, and I needed to stick it through. And praise God that I did. Instead of a year and a half, I stayed for two and a half years. And honestly, if it hadn't been for that, that was my spiritual boot camp. If I hadn't gone and seen this through, who knows how many other things I would have quit in my life. How many other things that God had wanted me to do that I would have gone, ah, too hard, forget it, God, you're on your own. Choose somebody else. But it's in those moments that you feel God. It's in those moments that you, you, you get to experience God in a very up-close and very personal way as he's moving you and shaping you and taking off those rough edges. Right? If you're on a battlefield and you're running away, right? there's a pitched battle going on. Your friends are fighting with you. And all of a sudden you pick up and run away. Somebody might shoot at you. <laughs> but it's like I'd rather shoot at somebody who was shooting at me. Right? If you're running away, you're not my problem anymore. Well, when you're pursuing the things of God, when you're doing the things of God, you make yourself a target for Satan. For the devil. Because he doesn't want you to be successful, right? If you're running away, he's not going to mess with you. Because you're already done. He doesn't have to mess with you. He doesn't have to waste his time. So when you are pursuing the things of God, understand that you make yourself a target. And you are going to face those, those times, those moments, where, where it's painful to do God's work. But he will see you through. And that's why he puts you in a body of believers, right? So that we can support one another. So that when one of us falls down, somebody can reach a hand down and pick you up. You know, odds are if you're experiencing something that's really hard, that's really tough in your, in your spiritual walk, somebody else in this room has probably experienced it. I can help you through it. In Proverbs 16.9, it says, In the heart of man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And in Jeremiah chapter 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you. Uh, You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. You have to trust God is who God says he is. And he does have a plan and a purpose for your life. None of us, none of us get to just, just accept his gift and just wait for him to come back or wait for us to, to stop breathing and going to be with him. He chose you. He picked you out. You didn't pick him. He chose you. He reached out to you to show you his love. That's why you responded. You love God because he loved you first. 
He is sovereign and he is in control. This is his universe. You know, he's the one that created the stars and named them all. Decided how gravity was going to work and what you were going to look like. Yep, that was a choice by God. I'd like to talk to him about me losing hair. Hope I get that back when I get to heaven. But God is sovereign. His ultimate will is for your good. When you decide to choose God, when you decide to do godly things and you move forward in your relationship, you're not going to regret it. It's great to be where God is. It's great to be doing what it is that you've been made for. Being a pastor is hard. Sometimes it stinks. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with this job. Praise God, most of it is gyms. Praise God for me. (laughs) But you know, you're involved in people's lives. And things happen, right? You know, there are things that, that we believe that God is leading us towards and to, and things happen. Our basement fills up with water. Sorry, Judy. <laughs> or, or someone that you were counting on to, to, to complete a ministry has decided to walk away from God. Or someone that you have, have, have you know, someone that you, you thought were, you two of you were really tight. But because you are a, a, a pastor, because you've, you've had to speak something into somebody's life, they get mad at you and you're not friends anymore. Sure, it's tough. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Because this is what God has called me to do. Right? This is where I fit. This is where I'm supposed to be. So for all the tough parts, for all the hard parts, being exactly where God has called you to be, being exactly what God has called you to do, is very liberating. So many of my decisions, frankly, are made for me. Because I know how I have to live. I know who I have to be because God tells me. God tells me that I'm going to be judged more harshly than you are. (laughs) Yay! Because I teach God's word. So he's going to hold me to a different level of accountability, as he should. But I find joy in this. In the midst of all the hard parts, in the midst of all the things that may stink about being a pastor, it is awesome for me because that's where I am. That's where God has put me. When you are being who God wants you to be, when you've made the right decisions to be and to do, and you walk steadily forward towards something, how great is it when you get there? I get the whole thing, life is a journey, right? Yes. But if you're journeying towards someplace and it's not worth going to, why are you journeying in the first place? Right? When you arrive at the place that you, that you are supposed to be, it's awesome. And the best part is, there's more. At no point do you and I get to retire while, while we're still drawing breath, right? As much as our lives are, are a progression, our lives with Christ are, is a progression. There is always more of him to know. There is always more to experience. 
there's always more steps to take. I feel bad for people that don't have our lives. Because what do you do? You wake up in the morning, you go to work, you work really hard, you retire, you die. That sounds pretty empty to me. But you and I, every day that we open our eyes, every day that, that we draw breath or take a step, there's more for us. There's more to do, more, more to learn, more to love. How great is our God? But because our God is good, or and because our God is good, and as long as we draw breath, it's never too late to choose. It's never too late to change your mind about a bad decision and move forward. Sure, there might be consequences. There's always consequences to stuff. I eat Twinkies and Girl Scout cookies. I am fat. I know where that comes from. Do you guys have any more Girl Scout cookies? Yes. Oh, my wife is going, no. There's more to me to love. So we understand that there's consequences to the bad decisions that we make. But there's always a choice to make the right decision today. There's always a choice to change the decision that you made yesterday into something brand new today. Because our God is a forgiving God. That's what grace is about. To take you where you're at and move you forward to something new. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you've never made the decision to follow Christ fully. That you've never taken the time to understand or want to know what it means to have the grace of God in, our, in your life or to experience the new life that God has for you. I just want to give you the opportunity to accept that gift, and it is a gift. It's not always an easy gift to take. It's always not an easy gift to walk through, but it's certainly much better than what you have today, and we can talk more fully about that. So if, if you've never made that decision and you're just curious about it, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and wave your hands around. I just want to see your hands so I know who to talk to after the service. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you take us from where we are. And if we are willing, Lord, if we are willing to submit who we are and our wills to yours, Lord, that you make us into something new, that you make us into something greater because you are within us and you have created us. And Lord, we thank you for the purpose that you've given to each of us, the plans that you have for us. And Lord, help us to live up to that. Help us to make godly decisions, Lord, one step at a time. A good godly decision today, a great godly decision tomorrow. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the power to make those decisions, Lord. And again, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.